Hi, you guys. This is Liz Ryan, and this is the Truth About Work podcast, episode 27. We're talking about work, like always, what it is, what it could be, how to navigate in your career and at your job, and how to decide what kind of work to do and how to get the work that speaks to you and that grows your flame. It's a big topic. And um, I started writing about workplace advice, workplace and career advice about 20 some years ago because I was an HR person and I would read articles, uh, workplace advice articles, and kind of throw them down in disgust and say, this is not good advice. It's very kiss-ass advice. People have more, they bring more to the workplace than, than we're admitting. They have more power in the equation than we're telling them in these advice columns that they do, but they won't know they have that power until they use it. That's the trick. It's just like your power in life. You don't know you have it until you use what you have. So I'm going to start writing columns about how to succeed and thrive at work and how to get paid what you're worth and how to get the job you want and all this kind of stuff out of this idea that people are more powerful than we tell them. You know why I, I, I felt that way? Because I was an HR person. How many times did I have a manager come in my office and say, oh, I'm afraid so-and-so, my employee is job hunting. And they use that word afraid all the way down to fear. This would be bad for me. I say, well, talk to them about it. But don't ask them. Don't, don't, you know, get in their face and say, are you job hunting? That's rude. And it's none of your business. But you say, hey, how is it going here? What could I do for you? What would improve your situation here? And you know what? 90% of the time, the manager would say, I don't need to ask them. I know what they're unhappy about. Oh, what are they unhappy about? Well, they want to get promoted. They want to do more. I don't have the juice with my boss to go and suggest that. Well, do you think it's a good idea? Would it be good for the business? Yeah, I mean, it would, but a lot of things would be good for the business. And I got to hoard my political capital right now. You know what I mean? The manager's own fear and trepidation of using their power was going to cause them in the near future to lose a great employee that could help them. But this is mother nature. How, how she teaches us. Speak your truth. Say the thing. Do the thing. It's scary in the moment, but it is the only way we get stronger. It is the only way. One of these times, I'll tell you some stories about how I risked my job. Scary walking up the stairs to my boss's office, a floor above me, like I'm so getting fired right now, but I don't have any choice. I have to tell them. I have to say the truth because my body is forcing me to do that. And how would I keep coming in here if I don't? You have to do it sometimes. You just, you just are pushed to tell the truth and do the scary thing. And it's the right thing. What it, what's that band my kids used to listen to? You will get an ebook if you write to us at support at humanworkplace.com and you're the first one who well, okay who was the band that has a song um sometimes the hardest thing and the right thing are the same who was it this is when my kid was about 10 years old obsessed with this band you will know who it is uh the hard thing and the right thing are the same that's what i'm talking about all right so Here's a question. Dear Liz, what steps can I take now to get a raise at my performance review in December? Wow. Thank you for asking that question. So ahead of time. That's great because it's not really ahead of time and you're smart to be planning ahead. How can I take steps now to get a raise at my job in December? Now look it. 
we never have total control over this, right? There are companies going out of business or suffering right and left because of this COVID-19 pandemic and nobody's getting a raise in those companies. So, you know, if you see the handwriting on the wall that the company itself is struggling, your pay increase is going to be their lowest priority unless you actually bring in sales, right? But barring that, assuming that the overall outlook looks looks okay, you want to maximize your likelihood of getting a substantial pay increase in December, this is exactly the right time to start that campaign. The first thing to do, of course, is look at your job description and the expectations of you that your manager has set out, either verbally or in writing. Get a good handle on those things and obviously focus your time and energy on doing as much of what your managers value as you possibly can, right? This would be the time if you're looking for them to pay you, give them what they want. Think about your manager's performance review. They're going to have a performance review too. What are they going to be graded on? What are they going to be evaluated against? If you're not sure, ask them, what's important to you for the second half of the year, third, third of the year, Jane? My boss, what, what, uh, you know, what's on your plate? What are you really hoping to have done? Whether it's in your job description or not, ask them. Because if you can help them make those things happen, that becomes a reason to give you a better pay increase, right? Obviously, it goes without saying, don't do anything that would ruffle their feathers. Don't, this is not the time to start coming in late or rolling out of bed at 10 o'clock in the morning when they actually start at 8.30 a.m., that type of thing. Goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. I'm a mom. Um, and then look at your role and the contributions you get to make in your role. This is a very easy thing for a manager to lose sight of. They say, oh, yeah, uh, uh, Carl, my employee Carl is great. They're there. They're very reliable. I'm so glad they're there. But they don't stop and evaluate or even capture in their mind or look clearly at your contributions, write them down, grab them for yourself. You'll forget your boss will absolutely positively forget what you contributed during the year. So don't you forget that's front and center. I took a job one time and it was 15 months until my first performance review, a very long time, way too long. I told them I was HR manager. Uh, that was the job I was starting. And I said, I don't like this is ridiculous for someone who's starting a new job and learning so fast and growing on the job to have to wait 15 months for a pay raise. Um, but I'm not going to tell you to change that right now. Let me get to my own 15 month review and then we can look at it. And they did change it immediately. I was there like 16 months and we moved it to a one year process rather than, um, 15 months for the first salary review. But at that 15 month performance and salary review, you know, I was ready. Well, in my first 15 months, I brought in a 401k that you guys never had before. And I changed the onboarding process and I recruited this many, many gazillions of people in the first year. And I started leadership training and I did this and I did that. And here's the contribution. I feel like I've helped to make toward the bottom line and the health of the organization. You have to have that kind of an argument. And the thing is, you cannot make that argument on the day of your review. It's too late. They are going to be confirming next year's budget, including your salary increase in the next 30 days. If they're, if they're on top of things, they're going to be budgeting a standard amount, like 3% maybe. And that's in a good year when there is no pandemic. 
So if you want more than that, you have to make a case. And the way to do that is to start to capture these contributions from the first eight months of the year that have already elapsed. And you talk to your manager. Don't wait until December. You say, Jane, you know, if you have five minutes in, uh, in, in early September, I'd love to get on your calendar and sit down and just look at the rest of the year and then into 2021. Jane says, okay, let's do it. We'll set up a Zoom call and we'll figure out, you know, what your priorities are for the rest of this year and then into the first third or half of 2021. And that's where you're going to say, so I've done this, I've done that. Just as a reminder, I achieved this, I achieved that. You know, this project went really well. This one was, eh, there's a few different reasons, but we'll fix it the next time. Here's what I'm looking at in 2021. And what you're really doing is getting Jane excited about your progress next year and the contribution to her personally and her performance review. What you tell her that you contributed in 2020 and what you're planning to do in 2021, that's going to end up in her performance review. I'm sure she's going to say, and my team member Carl is doing this, 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 and this really important stuff. And then you say, so Jane, I'm sure the company is thinking about two or 3% pay increase. You know, I am making my pitch today for something closer to eight, 10, because of the way my job has morphed and grown and what I've been able to do with it, with your help and support. What's unspoken there, what you will not say is, of course, I'll leave if I don't get it because that's childish and it's not going to influence her. If it did, it would only be negative. Managers get into fear very easily and her likely response, whether she articulates it or not, if you say, you know, I'll leave if I don't get the money is okay, leave then. Nobody wants to be pushed into a corner. Nobody wants to feel that someone else is, you know, exerting influence over them. So you just say, you know, this is this is kind of what would be amazing for me and let me really dig into this stuff and, you know, feel great about it. You're just laying it out. Jane may be rattled in the moment. She may tell you, she's likely to say, I would do it, Carl, but I don't have the power. You say, hey, Jane, I am with you. I am on your side and I understand that whatever you can do, you know, is going to be great. And then you have to decide how you feel because you might be great with 6% or you might feel like, no, I'm so ridiculously underpaid. I have to get 10% or I'm leaving. Oh, I left out a piece. You have to know what the market pays for jobs like yours. If your job has changed and doesn't match the original role that you were hired for, you got to have that data because what you're doing, they call it selling the seller. Jane is the seller. She's selling the idea of your big raise upstairs to her boss and maybe even one more boss because it's unusual. It's not standard. You got to equip her to go sell. So it's going to be salary.com, payscale.com, paysa, P-A-Y-S-A.com. Uh, Indeed.com has some stuff, glassdoor.com, and then any industry specific publication or website will probably have an annual salary survey issue. And those gonna, are going to be really handy. And you have the actual data there from the actual publications, but then you compile it in a nice little memo or spreadsheet for Jane, because she's going to use that making the argument upstairs. Now, if Jane says to you, like, I just don't think so, Carl, it's not in the cards. Then your question is, so I get that 100%, Jane. Uh, and my question is, would you, do, I mean, am I crazy? Like, do you support me getting paid more? But you're just saying that 
it's not it, the company is not going to go for it. You have to determine whether your manager even cares enough to make this argument. Because if they won't, if they won't lift a finger, if they won't go to bat for you at all, it's absolutely fine. And you're going to be pleasant and sweet and lovely, but you're going to get your resume, obviously, out on the street. You're worth what you're worth. You're not worth less now because coronavirus is going on. There hasn't been, there have been a lot of jobs eliminated, sadly, but there hasn't been any kind of like massive widespread drop in, uh, in salaries and wages. And, you know, you're worth what you're worth. And if these guys are not the right people for you anymore, be glad that you got what you got from the job. But overall, number one comment, hats off to you for thinking ahead, because waging a campaign to get paid more is a real thing. It's a real effort, and it does grow your muscles. Hey, remember what I said before about the only way to get stronger is to use the juice that you've got now? This is a perfect example. You're going to use some of your juice. And there's nothing adversarial about it. There's nothing confrontational about it. It's just an awesome conversation with Jane to figure out how she feels about you and your contribution to the team. And, you know, if she would be willing to go to bat for you. And if she's not, doesn't make her a bad person. She just doesn't have, doesn't her flames not big enough, you know? It's onward and upward. And that's what LinkedIn is for. Get the recruiters to contact you about a different job. Okay. Dear Liz, how do I explain that I got fired from my last job? We had a series of creative differences. I never thought they would actually let me go, but they did. And it's awkward. Hmm, that's cold. I mean, that really tells you something, doesn't it? When you have creative differences and they say hit the road. Now, I don't know the volume and tone of these conversations where these creative differences were aired, but I've gotten fired over creative differences, you know? You really don't think they'll say, okay, we just don't want to see you anymore because we don't want to hear your mouth anymore. But fear is a real thing. It's the number one thing that influences the way people work in the workplace, but we never talk about it. Isn't that odd? But you, you can spot it once you, once you kind of focus on spotting fear in the workplace, you can easily spot it because it's everywhere. It's a little harder to spot fear in ourselves, but it's a very good thing to do. You know, when you get terse or sharp or snippy or irrational that's fear and and this is how warriors and monks you know get stronger is that they they conquer their own fear by noticing it it's hard to notice it we don't like to talk about it just like jane doesn't want to talk about the fact that she's afraid to go upstairs and go to bat for you with her boss but it's like that's okay you're not going to cure her of that fear but you want to know where she stands that's the key you want to know how much fear people have so that you can predict their future behavior, especially as it affects you. So, you know, people will get fired over creative differences. Um, and here in the United States, we have this awful thing, doctrine called employment at will that says any company can legally fire you. They don't, they don't need a reason. I don't like the fact you stood up to me in a meeting this morning and you're, you're toast. They don't even have to give you severance. It's really bad. I would love to see that change. We'll have to start a campaign. Do we wait? until AOC is president or do it now? I don't know, but I'm always harping on that because it's absolutely fundamental. The fact that among all industrialized nations, only this one, this is the only one, the United States, home of the free of the brave and all that, where you can get fired for just being yourself at work, which keeps fear always in the mix, doesn't it? So 
you got fired. So here's the thing. You never have to say you got fired. I got fired from my last job. You don't have to say it. I don't want you really making your job search all about online application forms where there's a question, have you ever been fired? I want you to use our approach, uh, which is more empowered. It's called the whole person job search, and it uses something called a pain letter and something called a human voiced resume. We invented both of those things at Human Workplace, and they work really well. I go into that in the book, Reinvention Roadmap, but you never have to say you were fired. If you do fill out an online job application, you know, you can say, no, I wasn't fired. I don't think that's the best way to get a job, but I give you permission to say that because here's the thing about getting fired. Let's look at the overall structure, you guys. The notion of termination, and particularly the notion of termination as a mark of shame, as a scarlet letter, is part of the broken system. Why is it? Why does it matter how you left a company, right? How good friends do you have to be with somebody before it's appropriate to say, oh, I heard you and your sweetheart split up. Who broke up with whom? That's kind of a personal question, isn't it? You'd be like, I don't know. It was just we broke up. Ew. Who broke up with whom? Who was in the power position? Ew. That's a very high school question, right? Unless you're very dear friends with someone. It's the same thing at work. I left the job. It shouldn't be an issue. I quit. I got fired. Employers make that an issue, and they make it a scary forbidding thing to keep people in fear, obviously. So the idea of, oh, you lied, you lied, you lied, you're going to hell, that is part of the brainwashing. And it's part, this idea of employer type truth telling, the type where you have to tell me what's your greatest weakness on an interview, because I deserve to know. Shut the hell up. No, you don't. That's gross. It's intrusive. It's immature, unevolved inhuman and fear-based. What? My greatest, what are you talking about? It's the same way. Anybody asks you in an interview, were you fired? You're like, ew, what? I don't, I would say I left because it was clear it wasn't the right place for me. I had learned a lot. It was time to move on. And it's not the kind of job you can do halfway. So I, I left to be able to spend all my time on my job search looking for the right thing. I think if they ask you the question in an interview, that's a that's a pretty big red flag about the organization overall. Let's be honest. There's organizations that are just ruled by fear. And if that's if they're asking people, were you fired? You know, what's what's the next question? Have you ever committed a crime? Have you ever, you know, have you ever hit anybody? I mean, what 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 is happening right now? We're talking about your need to have certain things done in the business that, that are not working as well as you'd like them to work right now. So the question is, can I do that stuff? You know, all this, the rest of this, ew, fearful. I don't think you ever have to say that you got fired in an interview or anywhere else. Okay. Dear Liz, my question is about onboarding new employees during COVID-19. It's so much harder when people are not in the same room. Boy, that is true. A lot of things are harder now, aren't they? Some, some things are nice. It's nice to be able to get up between Zoom calls or between spreadsheets or reports or lines of code or whatever you're doing at work and put a load of laundry in the wash. That's so nice. It's so nice to be able to plan dinner and chop and slice during the day. I mean, there's some nice things about working from home. You save money on gas, transportation, dry cleaning, but there's some things that are hard. And I feel sorry for anybody who's starting a new job from home 
trying to figure out what they're supposed to be working on and with nobody to ask very easily. So just a couple of thoughts on onboarding new employees during COVID-19. The first one is give them, before they start, a bunch of people to contact. You, if you're the onboarding leader or whatever your title is, you know, just probably cannot always be available to answer questions. So you say, look, here are three people that are standing by ready to help you out. Here is text, here is phone, here is Slack, whatever, however you guys stay in touch. Just, I don't want you to sit there not knowing how to proceed. Get a hold of one of us and we'll help you. Then I would also give them uh, probably the first week's game plan. Here's what you're going to be working on. First, you're going to get your logins and you're going to get up on the system. And then I've created a little, a little routine for you to walk through. It's a little presentation with a video just to have you feel comfortable about what we do weekly, daily, whatever. The, the key to onboarding is preparation, isn't it? Like any kind of training, any kind of instruction, it's preparation. So in advance, you anticipate what people are going to need. And by the way, you leave out what they're not going to need. The old fashioned, here's, you know, two hours about the, the people who started the company in 1867. That would be cool, like human interest stuff. It's probably not what you want to fill their head with their first day or their second day. You might have to get them to fill out some forms in that for insurance, but I always like to do that ahead of time before they start, right? Why load them up on day one? They can take a picture of the driver's license, send it to you in advance for the I-9, the immigration stuff, you know, do that clerical stuff early. And then the first day they can really, you know, dive in. So here's what we're doing today. Today, um, I, I'm, you're going to be in a meeting with me. I'm your manager, let's say, and you, we're going to be in a meeting together at 11 and you are just strictly meeting the team. Do not feel like you have to focus on everything we talk about. You'll hear some of the terms. You'll hear some of our priorities in the department, but it's really just letting it waft over you. There's no expectation that you do anything based on this information. And then tomorrow morning, you're going to be in a group training with a bunch of other new folks. And we're talking about how we use our blah, blah, blah system slowly daily rations. That's what I want you to think about for new employees. What do they need to get through to tomorrow? Do not fill up their heads with information. They're already overwhelmed. There's a reason we call those early days on a new job, drinking from a fire hose. Cause obviously the fire hose puts out water at a much greater rate than you could drink it. It's overwhelming. I mean, people sleep soundly, but man, they're exhausted. So just give people that daily ration. What do you need today? Today, we're going to talk about the way we do entering a new product into the system, whatever. And then we're going to do, I have Suzy Q is going to do a little tutorial with you on the virtual desk side, and then we'll review it again in a few days because you're going to forget. It's just taking into account the way people take in information. You would not, you know, the executive summary that you give people who are not going to be actually performing these routines and processes is not the same thing you're going to give somebody who's going to be working through this stuff. They need, they need to know why we do this, how we do it, what kind of software do we use? How do you log in? How do you start anything you can do in advance videos and Camtasia and all that stuff, do it because these guys are kind of floating free at home. And it's really hard. It can be really hard. And, you know, obviously when they can get together with other people and you can reassure them, this is normal. Well, it's not normal, the COVID part, but as a new employee, 
you know, you're going to be overwhelmed. It's completely fine. Ask the same question 40 times. It's fine. We're used to it. Never shame them for what they don't know or what they forgot. And just remind them, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. You're awesome. Okay. Ah, here's such a great question. Dear Liz, what do I say when my manager asks me, are you looking for a new job? I am. I'm sure he's going to ask. I'm not showing that I don't like my job or I'm trying not to show it, but it might be kind of obvious. Mm. Well, are you looking for a new job? The stock answer to that is I think everybody should always be somewhat looking networking. It's a little, yeah, it's a little squirrely, but it gets back to that thing about the inappropriateness, the, the weird assumptions in the boss subordinate relationship. It's none of their business, whether you're looking and you're way too polite to say, it's none of your business, whether I'm looking. Oh, here's how, here's what you can say. Here's what you can say. So are you looking for a new job? Why are you concerned? Do you want to talk about, you know, me and this job and what I'm doing here? I would actually welcome that. Yeah. Do a little jujitsu on them. You're asking me if I'm looking. Well, are you concerned? I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate the concern about how things are going. It's none of their freaking business, whether you're looking or not, but it is very relevant, you know, whether the job is working for you or not. Kind of like the person that we spoke about before, right? Like all the way at the beginning of the podcast, people coming into my office, I'm afraid so-and-so is job hunting. You're afraid, but you won't take steps to ameliorate that or head it off. I, 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 I want to be more sympathetic than I am because why do you have a voice? Why do you have vocal cords, right? Why do you have a backbone? Come on. If you care about this employee leaving, then you have, you have some influence over whether they go or stay, but if you won't use it, what are they supposed to do? Then I don't blame them for looking. And it's the same thing with you. Yeah. So they say, are you looking? And you say, Hey, you want to talk about my situation here? I am so into that. Let's do it. You never have to answer the question. Are you looking just like you never have to answer the question? Were you fired? It's a new day, you guys. And we are stepping into our power. Okay couple of human workplacey things just to let you know about on the product side we have a super popular um, collection about interviewing your ultimate interview something like that it's a 69 dollar virtual course but it's on sale for 29 dollars you find that on our site or if you can't then write to us support at humanworkplace.com with all questions about everything product stuff like that or you have a question for me to answer on the podcast or on Twitter, wherever, send that question to us too. support at humanworkplace.com. And that reminds me, we get deluged with questions, which is magnificent. And you can see the kinds of questions that I can answer on a podcast because they're to the point. They're kind of generalizable. A lot of people might run into the same issue. How do I answer the question? Are you job hunting or how do I explain? Do I have to explain that I was fired? These kinds of questions are universal, but a lot of folks have real specific career coachy. Here's my story. I did this. I did that. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure what to do about this situation at work. And obviously we can't answer those in-depth personal questions on a podcast or any other kind of way. So we launched a product, a service to answer questions like that. It's called confidential career coaching by email. You pose your query 
your situation. You lay it out on a web form and we answer the question for you confidentially in a return email in a couple of days, three, four days, and that costs $199. Obviously, there are a lot of day-to-day -day questions that are gonna come up for you and me and everyone that don't warrant an investment like that or even $2, and that's when you ask your friend, your roommate, your cousin, your sister-in-law, anybody uh, that you know is sharp and cares about you and they're gonna give you great advice. But sometimes we really do have issues that crop up that are real and they're obstacles and you want you want knowledgeable advice from folks that you know just do this and so you can take advantage of that if you're interested and the last thing is that the book came out righteous recruiting and it's called essays on reinventing talent acquisition for people because that's our thing reinventing work for people so that book is out it's on amazon it's called righteous recruiting and it's about how to recruit like humans in a human way this is not like, oh, I think this would be cool. You should try it. I did it and used these techniques and this mindset to hire 10,000 people with no applicant tracking system, by the way, no applicant tracking system. That's such nonsense. We will talk about that another time. Thanks so much for listening and keep growing your flame.